the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So, based on these various biblical truths from other parts of Scripture, we know that Jesus didn't mean when he forbid storing up treasures on earth. We know that's not what he meant. He didn't mean you can't have any goods, you can't have any material things, you can't have money, you can't save, you can't invest, you can't think of the future. He wasn't saying that at all. The question is then, what did he mean? We know what he didn't mean. What did he mean? Whether on the football field or the basketball court, the coach has an important responsibility for guiding his team to victory. Many times when a coach calls a timeout, he spends his minute or so fussing at the players for what they didn't do. Although that is part of coaching, sometimes a better use of the timeout is to tell them what needs to be done to win the game. We refer to that form of strategy as negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement. Both are necessary and useful, but one without the other is likely only to lead to a theoretical success. We need to identify and avoid that which is wrong and focus on that which is correct. In our last lesson, Pastor Steve told us what the phrase, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, did not mean. And we'll continue that thought today as we listen to Pastor Steve Kreloff. Welcome. My name is Peter Silseth, and I'm glad you joined us today for Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries is a tool for making his practical messages available to a wider audience. This program is aired three times a day. Today we learn that Jesus does not mean we can't have savings accounts or retirement plans or nice things that bring enjoyment into our lives, but that there is a proper place for them in our lives. It is all right to have two value systems, just so the material system does not take precedent over the spiritual value system. It was the love of money, not money itself, that Paul warned Timothy to be careful of. Please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and follow along as Pastor Steve continues our study with the second reason of what the following verses mean. Now, Jesus begins this section by giving us a command. This is not an option, it's a command. He commands us not to store up for ourselves treasures upon the earth. Now, what exactly did he mean by storing up treasures on earth? Does Jesus mean that we all need to take a vow of poverty? Does he mean that being poor and having no earthly possessions are the marks of spirituality? Um, No, not at all. I know some people who would say, yes, that's exactly what he meant, but they're wrong. That's not at all what he means. And the reason we know that is because if that's what he meant, then that conflicts with other scriptures and God's word never contradicts itself. 
Jesus would never say anything conflicting with any other scripture. I find that one way that's helpful in arriving at the, at the right understanding of what he meant is first to eliminate what he did not mean. So we get that out of the way. We know that that can't be. So what didn't he mean? First of all, it should be of comfort to all of us to know that storing up treasures on earth is not a prohibition against having any material possessions. So you can all breathe a little easier right now. We know that Jesus could not possibly be condemning private ownership because the Bible teaches the right to have money. The Bible teaches the right to have land and houses and clothing and and material goods. And let me just give you, uh, at this point, one illustration that that demonstrates this. In Acts chapter 5, you have the story of a man named Ananias and Sapphira. And God did an act of severe judgment because they, they lied and they were deceitful about money. And I want to read this to you, and I want just to pull out a truth from this to illustrate this point. But a man named Ananias, this is Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Now watch this. Watch this. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And he heard, and as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. Now, the reason I bring this out is because I want you to see that Peter condemned this man for his deceitfulness. His lying, he sold some property and he brought some of the money to the apostles, claiming it was all of it, but he kept back some for himself. That's what Peter is condemning. And God struck him down with severity because this was the beginning of the church and he was making a very uh, strong and loud statement. Don't get involved with this group unless you're serious about holy living. Don't lie. This is, uh, I, I do not tolerate this kind of thing in my church. I do not want it to be there and so forth. But what I want you to notice is verse four, Peter says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? It was, it belonged to him. And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Peter is certainly endorsing the right that Ananias had to own land. So I think that's very important. You have an apostle here that, that certainly is embracing the fact that Ananias had land and that was fine. Also, I remind you that the eighth commandment of the 10 commandments forbids us from stealing, right? And the 10th commandment forbids us from coveting, but you cannot steal, nor can you covet something unless somebody owns something to steal and covet. Both of these commandments would make absolutely no sense if God does not approve of private ownership. Why would you have to say don't steal if nobody owns anything? Why would you have to say don't covet if nobody owns anything to covet that you want. So Jesus didn't mean by saying, uh, don't store up treasures on earth that we can't own things. We can. Secondly, storing up treasures on earth certainly doesn't mean that we are forbidden to have bank accounts or to save money or to make investments or to have retirement funds for the future. And I, I want to show you this from a very unusual passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I must tell you what, what Paul is doing here. He is, 
he has constantly refused financial support from the Corinthians. And that bothered them because they were used to supporting all their teachers. And Paul said, I don't want any support from you because I'm in a unique role. I'm like your spiritual parents. In fact, I am your parents in the Lord. Now, keep that in mind. He said, I'm, I'm your parents. With that in mind, he says in 2 Corinthians twelve fourteen. Here for this third time, I am ready to come to you and I will not be a burden to you. He means a financial burden. For I do not seek what is yours, meaning I don't seek your money, but you, I want to help you. I'm not seeking anything from you for notice this. He says, for children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Now, Paul is simply making an analogy. He's saying, you are my spiritual children. It's not your responsibility to take care of me. It's my responsibility as your, your parents, your father in the faith, the one who led you to the Lord to take care of you. But, but because it's an analogy, there's a great truism here that Paul endorses and speaks. He said, it's, it's just a, a general truism of life that parents have the responsibility to save for their children. That certainly implies investments. It implies long-term savings. It implies that you would have uh, uh, accounts and things like that. Remember also, Paul told Timothy that a man is to provide for his own family. If he does not, he's worse than an infidel. He's denied the faith. And certainly that would involve saving for your and providing for your family, earning and, and saving money. Also, there's a tremendous passage in the Proverbs, Proverbs about, about wise planning for the future. Let me read it to you. Proverbs chapter, chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. God says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Look at the little, the little ant, the insect. He said, you sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Now he's talking to a lazy person. And he says, take a look at the ant. They prepare ahead of time. They prepare ahead of time. They work ahead of time. Long-term investments, planning for the future. He said, if you don't do it, you're going to have need. So the Bible certainly teaches investments, private ownership, planning, saving. So scripture never forbids us from setting money aside, from purchasing material items, from making wise investments. And the Bible doesn't condemn us from even having a surplus of, of more than we need. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we've, said, we've seen this before, but I'll read it to you. Verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world. Those who are rich in this present world have more than they need. Not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with, with all things to enjoy. If you have more than you need, Paul says, enjoy. Don't be conceited about it, but enjoy. And then he adds, instruct them, those who have more than they need, to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share. Enjoy what you have and be generous with others. That's, in essence, what he's, what he's saying. Don't think you're better than other people. If God has given you more, enjoy it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Just be generous with others. So, based on these various biblical truths from other, other parts of Scripture, we know that Jesus didn't mean... When he forbid storing up treasures on earth. We know that's not what he meant. He didn't mean you can't have any 
goods. You can't have any material things. You can't have money. You can't save. You can't invest. You can't think of the future. He wasn't saying that at all. Wealth not only enslaves the heart, but it also enslaves the mind, according to Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. God's Word often uses the eye to represent the attitudes of the mind. Materialism can also enslave the will. We cannot serve two masters simultaneously. Either Jesus Christ is the Lord or money is our Lord. It is a matter of the will. The statement, no man can serve two masters, was like a proverb among the Jews. No man can serve two masters, much less two gods. For their commands will sometimes cross over or contradict one another, and on occasions interfere. While two masters go together, a servant may follow them both. But when they part, you will see to which one he belongs. He cannot love and observe and cleave to both as he should if to the one, not to the other. Well, Paul's second letter to Timothy is extremely important. It is written with the idea that Paul may not see Timothy again, nor may Paul go to speak with Timothy anymore. So, the idea is, listen carefully to what I have to say, Timothy. To say this is important is an understatement, because what Paul tells Timothy is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 6 is the end of Paul's letter to his adopted son, Timothy. Now, in case you just joined us, you're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Let's get back to Pastor Steve and three key words that open up the meaning of this command that we have been learning. Question is then, what did he mean? We know what he didn't mean. What did he mean? Well, there are three key words in Matthew six nineteen that really open up the meaning of this command. The words are, number one, treasure. Number two, store or store up. It's actually one word in the Greek. And then the third would be yourself. So let's look at these words. First of all, what does the word treasure mean? Well, a treasure certainly involves material possessions. It certainly involves money, but it's broader than than wealth and physical items. It goes beyond that. It refers to anything, watch this, anything that you cherish on earth. Anything in this world that means the world to you. Do you get that? Anything in this world that means the world to you. Anything that you don't think you can live without. Now that could be anything. That could be a person. That could be a job. That, that could be anything. I like what Kent Hughes, how he puts it. I like the way he put it in his book. He said, if anything in this world is everything to you, it's an earthly treasure. It's just another way of saying an idol. Something that you must have. Something that, that is a treasure to you that you cherish. We'll have more to say about this as we develop this. But the second key word in this verse is store or storing up, which basically means to gather. But it carries with it the thought of stockpiling or stacking treasures on top of one another. It's not, it's not just gathering the thought here is to store up treasures on earth, referring to, to just heaping one treasure upon another as you accumulate more and more and more cherished possessions. You, you can't get enough. So you may wonder, well, why is this a problem? If the Bible doesn't condemn making money and having possessions, even a, even a surplus, then why did Jesus tell us not to store up treasures on earth? Well, we move now to the third key word that I told you opens up this, this verse, And notice once again how the verse actually reads, verse 19. Jesus did not say, don't store up treasures on earth. 
Did you see that? He didn't say don't store up treasures on earth. What he actually said was do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The, the third key word is yourselves. Yourselves. See, what Jesus is actually forbidding is accumulating possessions for ourselves, either to hoard them or to, to spend them selfishly on ourselves. In other words, Christ is warning us about being a materialist who always wants more and more things, of living to amass great wealth, of turning our possessions into idols that we cherish and cling to and, and never want to let go of. That's, that's what he's dealing with. Listen to the wise and insightful words of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones as he explains the, the heart and the essence of Christ's words. He wrote, Our Lord is dealing here with people who get their main or even total satisfaction in this life from things that belong to this world only. What he's warning against here, in other words, is that a man should confine his ambition, his interests, and his hopes to this life. That's what he's concerned about. And viewed in this way, it becomes a much bigger subject than the mere possession of money. Poor people need this exhortation about not laying up treasures upon earth quite as much as the rich. We all have treasures in some shape or form. It may not be money. It may be a husband, a wife, or children. It may be some gift we have which in actual worth and monetary value is very small. To some people, their treasure is their house. That whole danger of being house proud, of living for your home and house is dealt with here. No matter what it is or how small it is, if it is everything to you, that is your treasure. That is the thing which, for which you are living. This is the danger against which our Lord is warning us at this particular point. Well said. Well put. And I think that accurately sums up the, the heart and essence of what it means to store up treasures on earth for ourselves. Just accumulating and cherishing things for ourselves that become idols that we live for and things that we can't live without. Now, let me expand it a little bit. Let me expand upon what Lloyd-Jones said. A treasure can be something as immaterial as the love of status, the love of a position, the love of a person. I'm not talking about a healthy love. We're talking about making an idol. I can't live without this person. It could be the love of a hobby. There's nothing wrong with liking a hobby, but, but we all can cross over to the point where we cherish it. We can't think of ever giving this up. Or even... May I say, even the love of a ministry, there is a certain love of ministry that is unhealthy. A love of ministry that says my whole identity is wrapped up in this ministry. Take it away from me and I, I really don't know what I'll do. That's not the same thing of Lord, Lord, I want to serve you and I want a healthy attitude and the Lord gives, the Lord takes. And if it's not this ministry, I'll serve you somewhere else. But some people, some people are so caught up in their ministry that they couldn't think of ever living without that. That can be an idol. Doing it for the wrong reasons. Identifying. My whole identity is wrapped up in this. Something you selfishly live for. You wouldn't think of giving up. Because it has become too precious to you. That is what Jesus is talking about. However you apply it. That's what he's talking about. So how can you tell. If, if you're guilty of storing up these kinds of earthly treasures. Well I think one way to determine. If something is a treasure. Is to consider what you think about most of the time. What do you think about during the day when you, when you don't have to concentrate on, on a specific project? What, what do you dream about? What do you daydream about? What in this life do you consider most important? What would be the hardest thing to give up? Whatever the answer is, that's your treasure. That's your treasure that you need to let go of. That's the treasure. So we understand that living for self 
Pursuing earthly treasures is what Jesus forbids us to do. Folks, this is how the world lives. This is how secular unbelievers conduct their lives, and we're called to be different from them. But you and I both know that the sad truth is that many who claim to know Christ have the same value system as the world. It's really no different. It's really no different. They have an unhealthy and sinful love for the things of this world. And, and to be quite honest, most of us would just have to admit that we do struggle in those areas. Now, there's a difference between struggling and just living like that, and it's no struggle. I don't want to change. I'm not interested in changing. But believers struggle. We, we do struggle. We struggle with loving the things of this world more than we should. And, and we do live in a consumer society that is constantly telling us that the way to achieve true happiness is by having more and more possessions. And you know what? The Lord understands this, this tug at our hearts. The Lord understands this pull in our, in our hearts to buy into this mentality. And so to help us in this area, he uses the remainder of verse 19 to give us really the first reason The first reason not to store up treasures on earth. He's commanded us not to, but now he gives us a reason. Verse 19 again, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now here's the reason. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now I want you to know what Jesus has said in this statement is so obvious and so apparent, and yet it's easy to lose sight of in the pursuit of treasures. What he's saying is that nothing in this world is going to last. It's all going to perish, everything. To prove his point, he mentions three specific ways that a first century Jewish person measured as well as invested his wealth. And in each of the cases that he mentions, though they try to preserve their wealth, they just couldn't because none of these items were completely safe. None of them could be protected from either being destroyed or stolen. In other words, no matter how many treasures on earth they accumulated, none of them were going to last forever. Now, keep in mind that in those days, banks did not exist. People couldn't bring their wealth to a bank and have it, and have it protected there. So one area, a major area in which they invested their, their money was in clothing. Clothing, rich oriental garments, fine clothing of what we would call the Middle East. That all depends on where you are located in the world. If you're there, you don't call it the Middle East, but we do. Those things, that, those garments were considered a valuable investment. Rich Middle Eastern clothing, valuable investment. And the best clothing was made of wool. Wool. But that's a problem because moths love to eat away at wool. And that is exactly why Jesus said, where moths destroy, where moth, a moth destroys. He's saying, don't store up treasures of clothing because they'll all be destroyed by moths. But garments were not the only treasures of that day. People also accumulated wealth by storing grain in barns. You see, in that part of the world, in that day, there was a constant threat of famine, famine. So a man who saved grain in his barn could become very wealthy very quickly because you know what? Hardly anybody else planned ahead and they didn't store food in their barns. But this man has all the food that you need. And so he just raises the price to whatever he wants and he becomes a very wealthy man overnight. 
And so uh, how big your barns were, were very important. That's why Jesus, remember he gave a parable in Luke chapter 12 about a rich farmer who tore down his barns in order to build bigger ones to store his grain. That's what he was doing. He wanted the biggest barns he could have to store the grains for when the day of famine came, people would turn to him and he would become a very wealthy man because he's one of the few who had food to sell. As we evaluate what treasures we value the most, we can conclude that whatever we think about the most is our number one valued treasure. I worked with a young man several years ago, and all he would talk about was what if he won the lottery and all the things he would spend it on. This was the topic of many a lunch break. I refused to judge him. God knows his heart, but he had his heart set on many material things. That's not a judgment, just a fact. It was a pleasure to have you in class today. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For over 27 years, Pastor Steve has been serving and teaching at Lakeside, and now his expository messages come to the radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Please plan to join us next time as Pastor Steve draws this portion of the Sermon on the Mount to a close. Eternal treasures last forever. No rust, no decay, no diminishing value. Only our Savior saves the best for the last with no chance of loss or decline in value. Until next time, May God watch over you. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by We are here to give you strength between Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.